everyone, welcome to Chat with Kat. I'm your host, Catherine Volsky, and I'm honestly so, so happy to be speaking with you all today. I know I start every single episode like that, but it's truly how I feel. Like, as soon as I get my mic out, it's plugged in. I'm like, it's go time. I'm ready to go. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. I'm happy. And so I hope that on the receiving end, when you click on an episode and you hear me, you feel similarly. That would be really, really great. As you probably can see, this topic is heavy. And so I know it's going to be a long episode and I normally have a lot of fluff here and I just kind of update y'all on stuff, but we're going to get straight into it. And before I say anything that I usually say, I do want to say that this topic is very serious. This topic could be triggering for some people. It could be something they don't want to hear about, something they don't want to deal with. And if that is the case, that's totally okay. I'll see you in next week's episode. There's never any pressure to listen to every single episode I publish. I hope that everybody knows that. But I did want to just say that I don't, I'm not going to go into graphic details. I don't plan on triggering anyone, but it's good to always add a trigger warning when you are discussing abuse of any sort. And so I hope y'all hear me on that. Like I said, it's a heavy topic. And so I know I always remind y'all to take care of yourself when listening to this episode. I'm like, if you need to get up, if you need to go on a walk, if you need to sit down, if you need some water, if you need some food, but definitely with an episode like this, make sure that you are taking care of yourself and you are listening to your body while listening to this, but we're going to get right into it. So I actually have an area on like all of my electronic devices where I constantly write down ideas for future podcast episodes and titles and topics and things like that. And this topic, this topic has been written down for so many months. And to be quite honest, I've been avoiding talking about it. I was like, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I mess up? I'm no therapist. I don't have the training to talk about trauma. I could do more damage than good, right? And then there was the other side. Well, what will people think if I start discussing this? What will they think about my family? What could the effect of this be, right? And I was also still living in that environment. So it was very difficult to record an episode about this under the same roof. And so, yes, I've put this topic off for a very long time, but I really don't want to anymore. I see this as the beginning of a discussion that I will continue to have for many, many years to come. Is something I will always advocate for and speak on because I really feel so strongly about it. But yeah, today we're going to begin that discussion. This is 21-year-old cat. So I know that 23, 25, 30-year-old cat is gonna have other things that she wants to say. And when that time comes, I will continue the conversation. But I do want to make it clear that today I'm not here to heal people in one podcast episode or to, you know know, act like a therapist. I truly don't have the qualifications, but what I am here to do is to provide some really great insights and I'm here to understand. I'm here to tell you you're not alone. I'm here to shower you with validation. And so I really do think that it's going to be impactful and it's going to be helpful. And that's my goal. So let's start off by talking about what I mean by the title, Navigating Generational Childhood Abuse. 
So what I'm touching on there is generational cycles of abuse. And online, it states that generational cycles of abuse are passed down by example and exposure from parents to children. Episodic abuse occurs in a repeating pattern within the context of at least two individuals within a family system. And when it says cycles of abuse, that may also involve spousal abuse and even elder abuse, but I'm focusing on child abuse today. And so the cycles of abuse, that's patterns of the same unhealthy behavior, the same unhealthy and abusive actions that are passed down from one generation to another. And it can go on for decades. It can be never ending because people don't want to work through their stuff. They don't want to unpack it. They don't want to address it. They harness it. They repress it. They never release it. And it's passed on. Did y'all know that trauma can be passed down through DNA? That while your mother is carrying you, her feelings, her stuff, it's influencing and affecting you, but not just hers. Sometimes it's her mother's and her grandmother's and your father's DNA also has an effect there. And so within one side of my family, there are cycles of abusive parents and abusive households, cycles of marrying and staying within abusive relationships, cycles of sexual abuse, cycles of physical abuse, cycles of emotional abuse and neglect. And what I've seen is that individuals can grow up in abusive homes, hate it, repulse it, but then not deal with it and create that same environment they hated so much within their own home. But they might make a few changes like, oh, I won't be an alcoholic, but they still find themselves replicating the very behavior they hated. And why is that? Often they lack education. Do you know how many people genuinely don't know how children develop, have never taken a child development course, have never learned how the brain works, have never learned about how children respond to the environment and how events can have big influence on them, who genuinely don't know? who have never sat down and talked about their feelings with anyone, who have never dealt with any traumatic events in their life and then bring a human being into this world and take out so much on them. They lack any type of education. They don't know what they're doing. And when they feel like they're losing control, when they feel threatened, they lash everything out onto the child like no other. They never saw gentle parenting. They never saw communication and they repeat it within their home. I mean, it's happening all around us. And I find that many, many people I meet, especially within this generation, and with the knowledge we now take in, we want different for the generations of our families to come. We don't want to fall victim to the same cycles, the same cycles of childhood abuse, the same abuse patterns, as difficult as it can be when it's all you know. And so it's like, well, why do I feel the need to create an entire podcast episode surrounding this? And I think right here and right now requires a little bit of vulnerability. I spent a lot of my childhood sensing that something was a little off, but not initially because that's all I knew. But I think the shift happens when you get a taste of a healthy household or a healthy family, it becomes overwhelmingly clear. I read this book, I think it's called Spilled Milk. And the author talks about how she went over to her boyfriend's house and they were all sitting, her, her boyfriend and his family. They were all eating dinner and her boyfriend's little brother spilt a glass of milk. 
And as soon as her boyfriend's little brother spilt the glass of milk, the author says that she got up out of her seat and went to go protect the boyfriend's little brother because she thought he's about to get hurt for this. The whole household is about to turn upside down and I need to protect him. And so she jumped to cover him and she told him it was gonna be okay. And she looked up and realized nothing was happening. No one was mad, no one was yelling, no one was going to hit him. And I even think that her boyfriend's mother was like, it's okay, we're just gonna clean it up. We'll just go get some napkins, it's no big deal. And in that moment, the author was like, something is wrong, something is different in my household. That was like such a turning point for her in her life. And I don't think I've ever resonated with a part of a book more. I still remember that chapter very clearly. And I remember thinking, that's so true. There's a certain healthy way to react to children making mistakes and to react to children being children. And I really didn't see that too often growing up. I remember when I was younger, I was actually a very vocal child. I recognized that there was no need to hit whip or beat a child to teach a lesson. And I realized how bizarre it was to put any form of aggression and love in the same sentence. I realized that anger bursts, mood swings, unstable environments, a fake show when guests come around, yelling, name calling, all of it was unnecessary, unhealthy, and abusive. And I was the child that stood her ground. I didn't, I didn't care if I was smaller or younger. I was going to say something if I thought something was wrong. But on the other side of that, outside of my home, I said nothing. I had absolutely nothing to say about it. I felt very alone in my experience because I didn't think people would understand. I didn't want people to look at my family weird. I was already growing up as the only or one of few black people in the communities I lived in, and I felt like it would make me fit into some type of stereotype. I also knew there was a high risk that could get in a lot of trouble and it can be tough. Like, how do you navigate that as a child? Because when you're a child, you're so conflicted, especially when it goes from high to cold all the time and you don't know what it's gonna be sometimes it's good and then sometimes it's so not good so even into my high school years I just never talked about my family dynamics that was the subject I was very closed off about minimal details probably just spoke on me and my sister's relationship and honestly that's what most people saw most of the time I also noticed when people talked to me about their family they were just like complaining about them being annoying and different stuff all in all, it never had that same undertone that I was feeling. So this episode is important to me because I recognize that there are going to be a lot of people who tune in, who feel or felt similarly, who had similar childhoods, who went through an unstable childhood, lived in an unstable household, an abusive household, and are finding themselves within a cycle of generational childhood abuse. And I recognize that I do have influence and I do have a voice and I am able to reach other people through this small microphone on my desk. And I want to be a voice that understands and helps people feel seen while navigating this. And also for people who may not fully understand everything, I feel like I can provide a lot of perspective. And I mean, everything I talk about and everything I share, the goal is always to help.
And I really want to begin by emphasizing, don't ever minimize what you went through or what bothers you about the way you grew up or different things that happened or a pattern you see within your family. Don't ever minimize it or even compare it to the next person. I found myself doing that all the time. I would see severe cases of abuse online and I was like, wow, I don't have it as bad as them. What am I even complaining for, right? Trying to invalidate how I feel because in my eyes, it isn't a severe as others. And to address that, I really don't believe pain should ever be compared in that way. I think that no matter what it is, if your childhood consisted of you not feeling stable, not feeling safe, not feeling secure, not feeling loved, not feeling like your basic emotional or physical needs are being met, if you grew up not knowing what the energy is going to be like, right? You grow up in that fight or flight mode, always trying to detect what's today going to be like. That in itself is painful and is not something to be minimized. I think we have way too many people minimizing the reality of that, minimizing the effects of that, minimizing the injustice it really is. You may even have those around you trying to manipulate you with the words, you've got a roof over your head, you've got clothes, you've got everything you need, and it's an ignorant statement to say the least. Becoming a parent and raising a child is so much more than that. A child could have all their school supplies, their clothes, food every single day, and still experience abuse from their parents or parents or adult figures each and every single day. It's more than what meets the eye. So as we move into this episode, understand that this is not a space where you need to minimize how you feel or invalidate yourself or listen to people who try and feed you ignorant statements. As I've come to learn, the first step to starting to unpack a lot of things in my life was not minimizing the reality and not falling victim to the manipulation I was receiving. There's many misunderstandings when it comes to trauma as a whole, but especially childhood trauma. I've heard the saying, well, I'm stronger because of it and everything happens for a reason more times than I can count. And you know what? I think those statements are coping mechanisms. And I believe people jump to say that to cover the pain or they want to put an optimistic spin on it and they don't want to seem negative and sad. But the reality is trauma makes no one stronger. People become stronger in spite of trauma. They become stronger in spite of what they went through. It's a form of resilience, right? But the issue is that not everyone reacts in that way. Some people's lives take a total different trajectory because of the trauma they went through. People lose their childhood. People live feeling triggered. And it's not pretty experience. And then let's unpack the saying, everything happens for a reason. I feel it can be so invalidating to tell someone that. I mean, think about it. Like, what? I used to think like that, though. I was like, well, I'm able to help people because I've gone through things and I relate. And I think it's not fair to say I couldn't have helped people without those heartbreaking experiences I went through. I don't think it's fair to myself to even put that out there. So to those who experience lots of invalidation, I mean, like I said earlier, you could just look up a quick study on how the brain reacts to trauma, especially a child's brain that isn't fully developed and is so, so sensitive to the world around it. And that alone speaks for itself. 
I also worry about the way communities joke about trauma. It's a way to cope and it can be funny sometimes, sure. And it's sometimes the only coping mechanism we find comforting, but we don't talk about the reality of those jokes sometimes. I always see threads of people laughing about all the different things they got beat for and the different objects they were beat with. And I'm like, you don't see how concerning that is? That while growing up, anytime you messed up or anytime your parent was upset with you, they turned around and hit you to the point of bruising or worse. And even while you were crying and you think you're okay, you think that that had no effect. And people think the statement, stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about is normal. You think it's normal to tell children to stop expressing their emotions when you've hurt them or they've been hurt or shoot, they're just crying to cry. Maybe there's no reason, but at least they're expressing emotions. You know how many young adults, teenagers, grown adults are unable to cry, unable to express any type of vulnerability, unable to have those difficult conversations, unable to regulate their emotions? Do you know how many people don't recognize that anger is their guard dog for vulnerability, right? They are quickly aggressive, quick to yell, quick to hit, and don't recognize where that's coming from, don't recognize that they haven't learned better ways to communicate difficult emotions or better ways to handle feeling threatened. People don't realize how damaging it is that when a child asks a question, the only response they received was, because I said so. You're the child, I'm the adult or stop talking back to me. Like people genuinely have had their curiosity repressed, their vulnerability repressed, and they struggle to stand up to authority because they were always told, you're the child, I'm the adult. Struggle to speak up for themselves and set boundaries. I think about how many people suffered wrongful actions by adults in their life and didn't know how to handle it because they were always made to feel inferior because they were younger. And also, telling a child I'm hitting you because I love you and I'm teaching you a lesson, but you're not really even communicating where they went wrong or giving them a chance to fix their mistake or to try again because a child is going to mess up, but they need a safe environment to do so and learn from it. We have too many people wondering why people struggle with messing up, always wanting to be perfect. And on a little bit of a different side note, but it still relates. People may end up in domestic violence situations where that individual is experiencing a lot of the same behaviors they saw and experienced while growing up and they connect it to love. I mean, this runs so deep, y'all, and it's so powerful and we joke and we cope, but I feel like a lot of the time we invalidate our experiences. And so I think the first step to navigating generational childhood trauma, childhood abuse, is putting an end to that. No more invalidation. It's also so important to recognize that it was never and will never be your fault. That's the issue within a lot of households. They'll say things like, well, if you hadn't done that, I wouldn't have reacted like that. If you hadn't done this, you wouldn't have got hurt like that. If you had just blah, 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 it wouldn't be this way. And those words can place a lot of guilt on your shoulders. Like I did this to myself. I'm a part of the reason of why it happened. If I hadn't been so this, this wouldn't have gone like this, but no. 
No, 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 no. I don't care what the situation was. Honestly, I really don't. There's never an excuse for any of the behaviors I've been mentioning. There's never an excuse when it comes to a grown adult and a child. Emphasis on child. There's never any excuse. It's never, ever, ever the child's fault. Ever. Like, do you hear me? It's never the child's fault. Adults have a serious responsibility when they bring a child into this world to provide a safe, loving, and nurturing environment for them. That is not your responsibility to create as a child. That's not your responsibility. So when they fail, when they don't succeed, that's not on you. You were a child, okay? And I don't really like to say like good kid, bad kid, but honestly, if you really look into it, children that are labeled bad kids are normally just mirroring the behaviors and actions they're seeing at home. Like children don't just come out of the womb saying crazy things and doing crazy things. Children literally mirror and learn from their environment. I mean, they're literally having to learn how to walk, learn how to talk, learn everything. So when you see a kid acting in a way that is concerning, you got to look at the adults. Like seriously, it's you either got to look at what they're watching, what they're seeing within their neighborhood. They're not just picking it up on their own. And so it can be really difficult to see when a child does something that's seen as bad, right? And then just gets, I mean, seriously hurt by their parents, right? And everyone's like, well, yeah, they deserved it. Look at what they did. You really have to think to yourself, why was there not a sit-down conversation to see where this behavior came from? Like, seriously, I know a lot of people will be like, well, just wait till you're a parent. I don't know. I don't think, I just think that's covering for something. I think that's not having the patience to have certain types of conversations. And it's like, okay, if the patience isn't there, then maybe parenthood, I don't know, maybe parenthood isn't for everybody. I don't think it is. I think it does require so much patience, but I just don't ever think that it's a child's fault and that a child should be treated in such, I mean, unconsciousable ways. I don't even know if that's a word by a grown adult. And so I really had to just take time to say that. A second aspect of navigating generational childhood abuse and a part that is so tough is speaking your truth. A lot of families that deal with generational trauma and generational abuse, they have and pass down the mentality of what happens within this family stays in the family. What happens in this house stays in this house. And that's what ultimately leads to no accountability, a lack of responsibility, and leads to cycles of this stuff because no one wants to talk about it. No one wants to confront the reality, the truth, the facts. No one wants to bring it up. And it's just a turn your head situation, swipe it under the rug, act like it didn't happen, act like it's normal. Or when someone does try and speak up, they want to minimize it. They want to gaslight them. They want to manipulate them because they refuse to address their demons. They refuse to acknowledge the abuse. They refuse to do that inner work and open up about the heaviness of it all. And so it is so vital that you speak your truth. And what I mean by that is you don't have to come on a podcast like me or post something publicly, but don't fall victim to that manipulation and the gaslighting. Or let's say every time you say something, it's an invalidating statement back. You still don't change what you have to say. Don't ever let them make you think that you're crazy or that you're just playing victim. You stand strong in your truth, right? This is what happened. 
This is how it made me feel. That was unacceptable. That wasn't okay. That didn't make me feel good. That impacted me, right? It's important. And it takes vulnerability to admit something hurts you. And it can be difficult to go there because it can be oh so painful. And it can be easier to repress it and to act like it was nothing and to kind of just go with what everyone else is doing. But in my eyes, if I start a family, I don't want that. I don't want to continue that. And so I need to speak my truth and I need to not ever let someone belittle me into standing down and being quiet about it so I don't make them feel guilty. That's not on me, quite frankly. And a lot of people will guilt trip, but I'm going to stand in my truth either way. As difficult as it is, it's necessary that I do. The third aspect of navigating generational childhood abuse or childhood trauma is that people might often tell you, well, I get what they did is bad, but they're still your family. That's still your parents. That's still your mom. That's still your dad. That's still your aunt. That's still your uncle. That's your blood relative. And again, that feeds into the lack of accountability because had it been anyone else, people would be up in fire about it, right? Lest you come home and say that a random adult on the street wrongly hurts you and this and that, everyone's going to see the problem in it. But when it's someone you're related to, for some reason, that takes a shift. And honestly, why is that? I don't believe in that. I really don't believe in it because I think it allows unhealthy, abusive behaviors to continue for too long. Even when it comes to marriage, like, well, that's still my husband. We're married. That's still my wife. You know how many children would grow up in such healthier environments if people didn't think that way? And so with me, I've come to the point where it's like, yeah, we can be related, but that doesn't mean you get to treat me bad and I have to be okay with it, right? And so it can cause such conflict because two truths can exist at once. You can have great memories with the same people who abused you. And you can have great memories within a family that holds a lot of pain. But you have to assess whether staying connected is hurting you. You have to assess whether it's suffocating you, whether you see the ability for growth in that relationship and change in that relationship. You have to assess the way the conversations go and the behavior and actions you see them portray. Because unfortunately, I've seen individuals handle things with anger outbursts for two decades and make no change to that behavior, right? Take no accountability for that behavior, give no apologies for that behavior, and then wonder why you don't really want a relationship. And so my advice is always to have your best interest in mind. I have seen amazing stories where people totally turn around, you know, people can get into therapy, they have a little bit of space between each other, unpack the past and relationships are able to flourish from what once was so toxic, unhealthy, abusive, but not always. And so that leads me right into my fourth aspect, forgiveness. I believe forgiveness is your choice. I think we have way too many people going around spewing the need for forgiveness on situations they don't understand and haven't experienced, you know? You hear people all the time saying, forgive, but don't forget. Forgive, don't reconnect. Forgive for you. But honestly, I don't know. It's a really, really, really tough aspect. I don't like to hold on to and harbor grudges in that way, but it's also very valid in my eyes to hold on to the reality of this. I don't, 
I don't know. I can't really give advice on forgiveness yet because it's something I'm still trying to figure out. But I do know you develop this sense of resentment because it's like, hey, you really took an aspect of my childhood from me. You really didn't work out your stuff. I feel like I have so much to heal from and so much work to do because you weren't ready for children and you didn't know how to raise a child. And, and a lot of people are able to recognize that their parents or the adult figures were wounded, hurt, and lacked education and lacked the right tools to do better. And you see your parents as the wounded children they really are, right? And it gives you that perspective and you can resonate with their pain, but it's still no excuse. You still should have known not to bring a child into that environment. And people will say, well, they did their very best. And I don't know, did they? I don't know. You've got to be able to step into the self-awareness aspect of this and see that if you have children that fear you and are struggling and don't have a safe space within their home, something is wrong here. And so the topic of forgiveness, I feel, is individual and unique to each person. And I have no room to speak on that. And it's everyone's personal decision. But my word and like what I'm saying is, don't let people pressure you into doing something you aren't ready for. I don't care who it is. It's not selfish to me. It's not being vengeful to me. It's not being grudgeful to me. People can't speak on what they haven't experienced. And what is a big deal to you doesn't have to be a big deal to the next person to remain a big deal to you. The fifth aspect and a very difficult aspect is choosing to let go of what could have been had you not been placed in such an unhealthy environment growing up and in a cycle of generational childhood abuse. Letting go of who that person could have been, what childhood could have been like, what vacations could have been like, what holidays could have been like, all the what ifs, the who would I be like, letting go of that is important because that's painful and constantly reflecting on that. I truly question if that's good for anyone at all and I really don't believe it is. I used to daydream a lot when I was a kid, and I'm realizing now that was definitely a way of disassociating from my environment. But I used to step into the life of the families I saw on TV, and I was so into TV as a kid. And I realized that it was deeper than just watching a show for me. I was really sitting there analyzing those families and their interactions, and I wanted to be a part of it. It seemed so great. And I would just watch those shows literally every weekend or after school. It would be me and my sister. And I recognized that was deep, and I was clinging on to this life that I wanted. Or even sometimes I'd be out in public and I'd see families and kind of just assert myself into that family or think about what it would be like if that was my family. But all those times I was doing that, I was neglecting the present moment of my life, right? And it can be really, really hard to hear this, but don't ever think that you can't still build a beautiful life for yourself after losing years of it to things that had nothing to do with you and things you shouldn't have gone through. There's still time. I mean, we take time for granted, but right here in this moment, we're alive. So let go of the what ifs, right? Had that not happened and start stepping into what can be. 
shifting your perspective is a really important step, as difficult as it is, so I'm saying it so gently. The sixth aspect is taking time to speak to that inner child because if you grew up in an abusive household, a generational cycle of childhood abuse, that inner child within you, which is within all of us, but it's so wounded, it's so hurt, it's scared, it might be closed off, and it's inside of you. I mean, like, I tap into my inner child all the time. Everything I do, I feel like I'm reparenting and recomforting that inner child within me because our inner child drives a lot of our behaviors, and most people don't realize that. So a part of the healing and part of navigating this is having those conversations and really being there for your inner child and, like, This next part I'm about to say, it might be really heavy and it might be really deep and it might need to be done in a therapeutic setting. But if you haven't repressed all of your memories, which is quite common with people that go through abuse, like they black it out. So if you remember things that trouble you, that still bother you, different memories, different events, I do think that going back there as adult you, like within your mind, or as whatever age old you, you want to go back as and go back and step into that situation, that memory, that event and comfort that inner child in that situation. Like it's you comforting you. I might sound crazy, but I really have found that that can be like really powerful and a really like healing opportunity as painful as it can be to go back into those memories. But for me, even on the day-to-day, like, it's always a conversation between me and my inner child. Let's say I'm heading into somewhere and my inner child is like, oh my goodness, this is overwhelming. I don't like this. I'm scared. Adult me steps in. Well, young adult me. I'm only 21. But I step in and I'm like, it's okay. We've got this. It's okay. We're fine. You know? Or even the fact that I do have some good memories from my childhood, like not everything's bad, but there's some things I really do wish that I did as a child and I'll just do them now. Like who cares? Who's going to stop me? I'm also actively trying to recreate or relearn so many things my inner child like believes is true that just isn't, right? And so it's all happening within my mind, but especially something I've noticed recently is like dinner time. Like back when I was a kid, if I was going to have a family dinner time, it was never going to be enjoyable. I really don't have many pleasant memories around eating dinner with my family. And so I'm actively trying to make dinner a positive experience for me, right? As I step into young adulthood, I'm trying to build positive memories around dinner, around going out to eat, around car rides, and different things that I just viewed so negatively and just didn't have the best experience with, like I'm rewriting it. And I think that that's really healing for my inner child to see and experience that with me. But I do talk so much more about the inner child in the episode that I mentioned. So I will link that episode in the episode details of today. And I highly recommend if any of this is speaking to you, resonating with you to check out that episode because I really dive into that. Uh, It's a little outdated because that was me back in like maybe February or March, but it's still a really good one. 
And the final aspect that I'm going to speak on today is that when you recognize a cycle, like a generational cycle of abuse, and you want to make the change, don't take it on as this heavy burden that you need to go back and make everything right for all the generations that came before you. Like, I think of my grandmother, I think of my grandfather, I think of his abusive father, right? And I think, oh my God. Gosh, you can begin to feel like you're carrying all of that, all of that pain, and that there's this responsibility on you to fix and heal all of that. And to me, that just isn't realistic. Your responsibility, if you choose to do so, is to do the work, the inner work, which is a lot of what I started to touch on today, but it's so much more than that. It's also the education aspect, right? You've got to learn this stuff. Education really is power in that sense. So let's say your goal is to have a different type of family. You need to put in the work to educate yourself, to learn different parenting techniques, to learn about child development, to learn about attachment styles, to learn about your triggers, to learn how to handle that. But it's not always just about being a parent, right? It's also about how you see yourself interacting and reacting with different people, your own behaviors. Like, are you seeing similarities between how you're acting now and how you grew up? Are you catching yourself? Are you actively trying to make those changes? Because you're going to have your triggers. You're going to slip up. You're human. And like I said, your brain has literally been altered if you went through a childhood of trauma and a childhood of abuse, right? So don't be so hard on yourself. Be gentle, but actively try to be different. Actively try to correct yourself. Actively try to enforce those boundaries. Actively educate yourself. I used to be really aggressive, which I know this really might sound crazy for a lot of people because I'm pretty calm now and I don't know, I feel like my first instinct won't be aggression most of the time, but it used to be like my sister and I, we used to go at each other, right? And I think sometimes we view it, oh, that's just siblings being siblings, But if you look at siblings within abusive homes and the way that they'll lash out at each other, often that's not just siblings being siblings. That's siblings taking everything we want to take out on our parents on one another. Sometimes there wasn't even a reason for me to be fist fighting with her, right? We were just angry. We were holding in so much and just hitting each other. Even within my friendships, like my first reaction will be to hit somebody or to yell or to shut down. Like I was literally a walking mirror of the behavior I saw at home. And so now when I feel myself going to react like that, it's really stopping myself like, cat, we don't need to act like that. There's a better way to communicate right now. But you see how I'm being gentle with myself, the way that I just talk to myself? Yeah, like that's really important. And it's a lot more behaviors and patterns and instances that I'm going to have in my life. And, you know, thinking about it in that way can be tiring. But I don't know. I also see a lot of beauty in life. Like I always say, like within, well, maybe I haven't been saying it enough recently, but I do see a lot of beauty in this life. And so it's like, I will put in that work. But my main point is with this 
you know, navigating all of this, don't take on every single generation that came before you. I don't think that's a good message that we often hear or see. I don't, I just don't believe that's realistic to put on one person's shoulders, especially in my case. I mean, everyone's dead. So that's really not to be like negative. It's just like, that's a lot for me to take on when they're literally not here on earth. But within it, I'm like, yes, I recognize what my grandmother went through, what my grand, like I take all that into account, but I'm not taking it on as my responsibility to heal. You guys get what I'm getting at? So as I begin to conclude this episode, I want to remind y'all of my main points so that it can be on the forefront of your mind as you finish listening. I talked about the fact that trauma and abuse does not make you stronger. If you become stronger afterwards, it's in spite of that abuse. It's in spite of that trauma. I think that's a terrible statement. And trauma can make people weaker. I mean, I think we hate to use the term weaker, but it can really damage people. And it's not that they're weird or whatever, that they're not handling it right. I mean, trauma is a very, very serious thing, as is abuse. Statements that are made to invalidate you in any type of way, I mean... Trauma's effect on the brain is a statement in itself. You know what I mean? And I just, I don't understand or get the different invalidations because it really is so serious on a neurobiological scientific level. And there can be damage in the statements and jokes that we use to cope. It's so important to speak, stand strong, and don't weather from your truth. It doesn't mean that you have to publicly go out and speak about it. It doesn't even mean that you need to speak about it to the people that harmed you. That could be a part of it for you. But sometimes it's just being able to vocalize it to yourself, even if it's not out loud within your mind, knowing, hey, this is my truth. This is my truth. This is what happened. And I'm not weathering. This is my experience. And don't always give in to the different people that say, well, they're your parents. They're still your family. You know, forgiveness is fully your choice. It's individual. And I just think that that's something that you should decide without people telling you stuff like that. I touched on the fact that it's really important to let go of what could have been as hard as it is to speak with that inner child, to comfort that inner child, to love on that inner child, to create an environment that that inner child is jumping for joy around. That's powerful. And that once you have recognized the cycle and you are doing the work and you are making the changes to be gentle with yourself and to recognize it's not just going to happen overnight. And even this podcast, I haven't fully even touched on all of that because I mean, I'm figuring out right alongside you all. I think it's something that a lot of people are figuring out. And it's, you know, like I keep on saying, everyone's different. So everyone's experience with handling this and navigating this will be different. And so, yeah, I did touch on a lot of what I wanted to cover in this episode. And I think this is my longest episode yet. And as it should be, it's a very um, complex, multidimensional tough, heavy subjects. And I mean, I've said it before, but it it pains my heart that a lot of people will relate to this episode, that a lot of people, you know, have generational cycles of this type of stuff going on within homes and that you have way too many people whose childhoods were honestly stripped from them and they weren't able to just be a kid. I think about 
like I learn in my psychology classes on children all the time, like as a kid, you're just supposed to explore the world. You're just supposed to be being a kid. You're just supposed to, I don't know, play in the playground and run around and just do kid things. You're just learning the world and just being a kid, right? And I just think about, wow, well, that would have been a really lovely childhood. Like, that's crazy that that just wasn't my experience. And to be so young and to already be so scared and, you know, experiencing hurt from the people that are meant to protect you and not having that, like, love, you know, that you, unconditional love, um, that's painful. You know, like I, I always get emotional about it. I'm not going to sit here and cry on this episode, but it is when you think about it. And so my heart goes out to everyone who does relate to this episode and who is having to do the work and who didn't deserve to go through any of that, didn't deserve, just needed to be a kid, right? Just needed to do kid things. And it's like a lot of people are playing catch up in their early, later adult years, trying to just kind of go back and rewrite things and just trying to figure out what went wrong and stuff like that. And that pains me. And so just know that I um, I really, really, really have so much love for everyone. And I'm sending you a lot of warmth and a lot of love and a lot of compassion and a lot of empathy and a lot of validation if you're not feeling it from anyone. And I recognize that some people may still be living in those environments and may still be going through stuff that I talked about today. And that hurts because I want to step through the screen, pull you through the screen and put you in my house. You know, I really do. But I, you know, realize I don't have the ability to do that. And that's what can be so hard with these. But yeah, this was a heavy episode. This was a long episode, but a necessary episode. And I just hope you all are feeling the love and support that I am trying to provide through this podcast and through my voice. But, um, you know, I'm learning a lot of things, especially being a psychology major. And I'm always going to come and share them. And I... Like I said, I don't believe that just because you go through something so terrible that you still can't build a beautiful life, it's harder, it makes it difficult, it's like more of an incline, um, but it's possible and very, very possible, like not something that's like completely unrealistic. And so that's my goal for everybody is that, you know, we work through this um, we stop passing that on to the next generation to come. Even if we don't have kids, like, I don't know, it ends with me. And um, that I can create a life that is so beautiful, even after a few years, the not so always beautiful all the time. <laughs> um, so yeah, y'all, I think that's everything. I you know, this was tough and I am a little nervous to post this, but I think that it will be good. And I hope you all enjoyed it and you felt like you were able to take something from this to use in your own life. And if you feel like someone else will relate to this, someone else needs to hear this, don't hesitate to send it to them. I always say that. And if you guys are enjoying the podcast, let me know in the reviews. I always appreciate your unconditional love and support in my DMs, Instagram reposts, and my comments. I mean, I got people that are really riding for me, and I'm like, I love y'all so much. So, yeah, it's the same stuff for me. 
I look forward to next week's episode. I'm I'm really gonna start coming with some, you know, important topics, and I'm just really looking forward to sharing everything with you all. I appreciate you so much for tuning in. I hope you're having a good week so far. Um, if not, I hope that it takes a positive turn, and I will be seeing you in next week's episode. Thank you.